Hi, I'm super excited to be able to tell you that I am launching a new season of Mindful Mutterings and this is going to be a mindfulness-based travel pod and so you're going to be coming with me on my travels and we're going to be looking at ways in which we can be more mindful as we travel and just have a more present and wonderful experience. So first one's coming from India on Wednesday, October the 19th. I look forward to having you join me. See you then. Bye. Hi, thanks for joining me. I'm hoping that you can hear some of the background noise that we're listening to. You can hear the cicadas in the background. You'll definitely be able to hear the cars and the car horns because it's a constant cacophony of sound here. And you may even hear the monkey that has decided to come and sit on our balcony, which is just a little bit too close for comfort as it's just run into our room and grabbed a banana and an apple off our table. So it's a little bit scary, the wildlife here. But anyway, the journey to Shimla started early we boarded the shakti express train to kalka and that was a fabulous experience you know to see lush green fields and flowing rivers on our journey north we could see the cows in the fields on the tracks uh, and by the side of the road uh, they're happily munching away on the greenery and it's just it's just a random thing to see cows absolutely everywhere you go and then once we had arrived at kalka which had taken us about four hours um, we were taken into the station to take the UNESCO toy train um, through the no entry gate and apparently, this is common practice, although it says no entry, this is less time consuming as the security is minimal and it seems that the rules only apply here some of the times. Anyway, we piled onto the UNESCO toy train which is beautifully decorated but it is quite small um, and we continued our journey north. As we climbed higher into the foothills of the Himalayas we were treated to views of the monkeys more cows and stunning, absolutely breathtaking views of lush green forests and brightly coloured villages. And these villages are amazing. It's like the houses have just been stuck on the side of the mountains. Uh, we passed by beautiful wooden station buildings and trains full of smiling, waving people. It was a five hour journey, which did get very warm at times as the air conditioning consists of opening a window. And there really isn't much space but the views more than make up for any discomfort and I highly recommend the experience. Um, we finally arrived in Shimla after over nine hours on trains and there were times during the journey where I was so uncomfortable as it's a long time to be sat still. You could stand up but there really wasn't room to move around much and um, you were almost knee to knee with the people sat opposite you. So instead I used my breath to help my body release its tension and discomfort, managed a few cat cows, sat down to ease my back and and worked on shifting my mindset back to gratitude for the amazing experience that we were having. And although I still ached a bit and had a numb bum, it just became part of the adventure and not a problem at all. Um, the next morning we headed off to Kulfri for what was supposed to be a 360 degree view of the Himalayas. But unfortunately my husband was struggling with the altitude a little as we are very, very high up. Um, and this turned out to be a blessing because um, as the group went off to do the 360 view, one of our guides invited us to visit the Hindu temple. And while we were there, we were lucky enough to be given a private audience with a yogi and a blessing. And local priests came up and sung a song for us. And then we were given apples from the puja altar. It was just such an amazing experience. And then, as if that wasn't enough, I was invited to meditate in the temple grounds, which I have to say was the most incredible and enlightening experience. The energy there is just phenomenal. Um, from there, we went on to Wildflower Hall, which was Lord Kitchener's residence while he was in power here, um, where we had um, a delicious lunch, um, a tour and a walk through a most beautiful forest. 
Um, in the evening, again, we had the most incredible experience. We visited the beautiful Hindu temple of Hanuman to take part in the festival of Vijaya Dashami. Oh, God, it's mad. It was a crazy and wonderful experience with so many people and the most beautiful and colourful outfits. And there were drums and chanting and fireworks and three massive effigies which are just beautifully painted and filled with all kinds of combustibles and fireworks inside and sprayed with fluid so that when finally the priests come down and fire an arrow in to light them they go up like you wouldn't believe it's just just the maddest and most incredible experience and we were the only two westerners there and we were made to feel so incredibly welcome randomly or weirdly I was asked to have my picture taken with lots of people I don't know why they they thought it was a good thing to have a picture with a short ready-headed woman but anyway they were all so lovely and friendly and welcoming and we were even invited to go back and celebrate with one of the families which was just the kindest thing and it was the most spectacular occasion and I feel incredibly grateful to have had the experience it's just mad I'm sure you can hear the horns going off in the background um, today we had a tour of Shimla itself which is busy and beautiful with stunning buildings and just incredibly amazing views of the foothills of the Himalayas. It just, it just seems incredible that everywhere we look that's what we're looking at and it's just fantastic. Um, we had a good look round and we went to see the Viceroy's Lodge and you know we, we looked at some of the beautiful buildings and we went to the Gaiety Theatre. Um, and then we found a beautiful tea shop and just sat drinking chai, watching people from our vantage point at the second floor window. It was just, just a fabulous day. And while we've been here in Shimla, we've been staying at the very beautiful Cecil O'Broy Hotel. Oh, and the food is just incredible. They've provided the most delicious gluten-free food for me at every meal. And I have to say, the dal is my favourite. It's just been, well, I've had it for just about every meal with everything else. It's just incredible. Uh, we spent our evenings on the balcony watching and largely avoiding the very large, noisy and unfriendly monkeys right up until just now when I started to record this. And like I say, it ran into our room, <laughs> nicked our fruit, ran back out onto the balcony and is still there giving me the evil eye. So I have shut the door and I am safely behind uh, the balcony door. And the monkey can have the balcony until it's happy to leave. Um, I mean, it's very exciting to see them close, but like I said, it's very scary when they're up close. They are huge and very solid looking, and they have big, scary teeth. Um, anyway, tomorrow we make an early start and make our way back to Delhi by train. But I have to say, Shimla has been an incredibly amazing experience. I've learned so much about this area, definitely pushed my comfort zone. I've been amazed by the magnificent Himalayan landscape. I've made such an effort to remain calm and present and not miss a single, a single moment of what we've been doing and just lived completely in the experience, which has been incredible. And I almost managed to avoid the monkeys. Um, but anyway, I think the monkey won that one. Um, and our adventures continue. So thank you very much for listening and I hope you join us for the next stage of our travels. Bye. Hi, welcome to our travels in India um, and you find us in Delhi and I'm recording this in our hotel room so if you can hear any background noise that just all kind of adds to the atmosphere. So our first day in Delhi it was noisy and hot with traffic that is crazy. It's a dance of precision and chaos with horns blaring and road rules that only seem to come into force when the police come on duty later in the day until then anything goes. The bureaucracy is crazy absolutely crazy it took us ages to get through immigration and it's just 
even that's noisy and full on. Um, and as our local guide said, they took all our systems, the British systems, and just made them slower, um, which is so true. Everything, everything takes a long time. And in years past, I would have found that frustrating after a long journey. But I've, I've found that accepting what's in front of me instead of it, but wanting it to be the way I think it should be really helps me to stay calm and present. Um, and I use the time to people watch, which I love. I really love making... Uh, or trying to guess what, what people are like or what they're doing or why they're here or, you know, stuff like that. And this shift in mindset has really made travelling a much calmer and more relaxed process. So we're staying at the Taj Palace in the Diplomatic Enclave. Beautiful lobby with fabulous marble floors. Staff are fantastic. You get a little bindi put on you. You get a beautiful necklace given to you when you get there. Slightly dodgy drink. Wasn't overly keen on that, but it was very generous of them. Um, and the women on reception are wearing the most stunning, fabulous blue saris. They are absolutely gorgeous. And what is also really good to see is that there is no plastic in the hotel. All the bottles are glass and recycled. They don't even use plastic bin bags um, in any part of the hotel. Um, and it's a really good thing to see that, you know, in a country where there is so much litter and so much waste, that they're starting to do positive things towards helping the environment. Um, and likewise, at the start of our tour, we were given metal water bottles that are refilled uh, with safe water for us daily. So that, that's another brilliant thing, cuts down on the plastic. Um, so we jumped in, as soon as, as soon as we checked in and everything, we jumped in a cab and went to the stairway to India, which is an ancient step well, which used to manage the water system in Delhi. And the architecture is stunning. Um, it did make us laugh, though, because the cab driver got lost a few times and had to get directions from the tuk-tuk drivers. But we got there, we got there safe and sound, and we'd got it into our heads that when we finished there, we would walk back to our hotel. Um, so we started back after we'd seen what we wanted to see, and on the way we visited Sikh Temple, which was just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But then the combination of the beggars, the traders, the distance to our hotel, which was a lot further away than we thought it was, and the heat got the better of us. So we jumped in a tuk-tuk, took our life in our hands and joined in the crazy dance on the roads. Um, it was brilliant fun and we got home in one piece, so all is well. Um, and it just seems mad to me. We saw cows in the middle of the road and monkeys helping themselves to the fruit from the trees along the road by the president's house. Just, yeah, just amazing the amount of wildlife. There's goats, there's sheep, it's, it's crazy. And they're just all there walking down the middle of the road. Uh, the poverty is apparent here though. I mean, there's a lot of beggars, there's lots of people sleeping on the benches. But I think it's the row of makeshift shacks that really brings home the day, daily struggle for some. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty tough to see. Having said that, their job creation system is second to none. There is a, po a person employed to do every task that you can think of. There's someone to fill the water bottles and someone to change the pads of the floor buffer. Um, and it seems that they, people only do the job that they're assigned to do. So that that way, everyone has their own job. Everyone can take pride in their work. And they have lots of employment. There's, there's very little unemployment here or parts here. Um, and it's fantastic. It's fantastic to see. And they really take pride in their work and nothing is too much trouble for them. Uh, generally, people are very polite and very calm. There's an air of gentility and grace in all the interactions that we have. And apparently this is because they believe, a lot of them are uh, Hindu, and they believe that, you know, they will get there when they get there. And if they don't get there in this life, they'll get there in the next. So there's, there's not a great rush, there's no such thing as road rage and people generally um, just accept things as they are because as far as they're concerned it means they need to be doing it that way because that's what's happening. So it's, it's just such a brilliant mindset. 
um, the fruits and the food is absolutely delicious and spicy and very clean. There's no like heavy gravies, um, but it's so, so tasty. And, it, and like I say, it's very clean feeling, but there is a lot of meat and fish dishes, which I was surprised at. I expected it to be almost all vegetarian. Um, today we, fin we visited the Jama Masud Mosque, which is a Friday mosque and the second largest one in India, where apparently up to 25,000 people can worship all at one time. Uh, we were given these fabulous gowns to wear over our clothes, and had I not had a pashmina to cover my head, I would have been given one of those too. So once respectfully dressed, uh, we were free to wander, and it is absolutely beautiful. The building is magnificent, with a beautiful marble floor that's all um, marked out, ready for prayer, and the beautiful dome and minarets. Um, we bought goods from the hawkers outside the mosque um, and then we jumped onto a rickshaw for an adrenaline-filled crazy ride through Old Delhi. The potholes made themselves known as we were taking down narrow streets, squeezing through gaps that didn't look big enough. Um, it was a fabulous experience and our driver was very skilled at getting us through the traffic and the crowds. It's so noisy here, I wish you could hear it because it just creates such an atmosphere of bustle and chaos. The colours are fantastic and everywhere there's something to look at. It's just, it's an absolute assault on the senses and the dresses and the fabrics that are hanging in the shops are stunning. I mean, really, I'd like one of everything in every colour. They're just beautiful. Um, so, yeah, as we went on, we passed more sheep on the pavement and ox carrying uh, some goods. And we learned that mutton in India um, is usually billy goat. I mean, we would expect it to be a sheep of some kind uh, or older sheep, older lamb, but it's actually billy goat. Um, but the hotels tend to use lamb, apparently, but it's more common for mutton to actually be a goat when it's sold in the, in the meat markets. Um, and more disturbingly, there are live caged chickens all over the place for you to buy and dispatch at home, so I didn't like that much. Um, oh, another crazy thing is there are wires hanging down everywhere, and they're all tangled up together. I've never seen so many cables tangled up. And this is people's electricity supply. Um, so apparently there's lots of arguments about who's who's piggybacking off someone else's electricity and it takes forever to sort it out. But it just adds to the chaos and the atmosphere here. It's just madness. Um, after our rickshaw ride, we went to Gandhi's Memorial where we went to the place where he was cremated um, and we saw the internal flame that burns. Um, and then we went on to his house, which was absolutely fascinating. If you're, if you're ever here, it's well worth a visit. Um, I learned so much about him. Um, I didn't know that he'd started his work in South Africa and that he'd been impressed by um, the suffragette movement and that that's where he'd started to get his ideas about protesting through non-violence from. Um, and then we learned about all his work that he had done through his life right up to his murder here in Delhi. And it was absolutely fascinating. So yeah, definitely go if you get the chance. Um, from there, we went to see how Kashmiri uh, hand-knotted rugs are made, which... <laughs> Again, oh, the skill that these people have is just fantastic. Um, it's not safe to visit Kashmir at the moment due to all the ongoing violence. So Delhi has given artisans a space uh, to work as a collective. Um, and they, sh they showed us how to make the rugs. And obviously you could buy them if you wanted. Um, and apparently these rugs are usually made in a family home. And a large rug can take a family of four up to 18 months to complete. So um, you can imagine the price tag on some of these, but I mean, they last for hundreds of years and were just stunning. And then we went for our last stop of the day, which was to Humayun's tomb, which is a kind of precursor to the Taj Mahal in Agra. Um, and it's sat in the set 
well, it's set in the middle of amazing grounds because uh, Muslims believe that lives in the middle of everything. So um, that is naturally why they would then build the tomb there. Um, and it's a visually stunning structure with domes and doorways decorated with the Star of David and the Lotus Flower, which are commonly used symbols here, apparently. And then we also visited the garden tomb of Isa Khan, which is a smaller dome tomb built before uh, Hermione's tomb. Um, but it's just absolutely beautiful. The architecture here is just stunning. Um, and it's been absolutely tipping it down here today. So the first day we were in Delhi, it was really lovely and hot. And then um, today it has absolutely been trenched. Apparently it's 10 degrees colder than it has been in the last 10 years. And they've had six months of rain in two days. So that's probably thanks to us. We've brought the weather with us. Um, but anyway, we've had a full day of sightseeing. So we've all been totally soaked through um, and really looking forward to some time in the jacuzzi and a hot shower later. But we have had an absolutely amazing couple of days. And tomorrow we leave Delhi early on the early train um, and we head off to Agra. So our adventure continues. I hope you'll join me. Thanks for listening. Hi, so thanks for joining me on my uh, adventure around India. So we arrived on uh, in Agra on the Gateman Express train and the trains are just fantastic here. There's so much space. We were given a vegetarian meal and a cup of tea and then you can even charge your devices while you travel. And then... Um, after seeing so much on the journey in, we uh, finally arrived at the station and went directly to the Red Fort, which apparently was the home of the Mughal emperors when they moved the capital from Agra to Delhi. It's just stunning. It's built from white marble and red sandstone and was actually designed by the same architect that's credited for the Taj Mahal, um, which if you're really lucky, you can see from the back of the fort uh, when the weather is clear. And we just got a glimpse of the Taj Mahal before it was surrounded by the, the fist, uh, fog and the mist again. And uh, oh, I'm very excited to go and see that later. And um, the fort is huge and the pictures you see don't do it justice. It has the most stunning carvings and mosaics and the grounds are just beautiful. Uh, we saw some chipmunk-like squirrels. There was a little bit of a debate whether they're chipmunks or squirrels, but here they're known as squirrels. And some absolutely beautiful green parakeets. Uh, and we were asked to have our photo taken by so many people uh, because apparently uh, the Indian people cover fair skin in the same way we like to show off a tan. And rather than boast to their neighbours about where they've been, they take a photo, with or without permission, depending on how brave they are, uh, which they later frame and display in their house. And in this subtle way, their neighbours can see the places that they visited without them having to brag. Uh, we then carried on our journey and checked into the uh, ITC Moogle, which is absolutely stunning, so that we could dry out because we had been caught in the rain again. Um, and after a quick lunch, we headed out, but this time we were off to see the Taj Mahal. I first saw a picture of this building when I was about 11 years old, and I have wanted to see it for myself ever since. And so finally, 43 years later, I was standing before the most beautiful building I've ever seen, and the rain had stopped. And honestly, there are no words that I can use that can convey the stunning beauty and the atmosphere at this place. This incredible white marble structure rises up majestically from the most beautiful grounds and the level of workmanship and, and skill that was taken in building it is, is pretty much indescribable. And after taking our time to walk around the magnificent buildings, we were lucky enough as we were finishing our visit to have the clouds part and the last rays of sun lit the Taj Mahal and as it did, just about everything around it turned pink.
it was it was just absolutely breathtaking and awe-inspiring and it just they, they say that you should visit the Taj Mahal to because it's all about love the building is all about love he built it to show how much he loved his wife when she died and they say that if you go there, it can help you to let go of the past and make peace with those that you've um, fallen out with. And it can help you fill your heart with love and joy. And it really is the most incredibly uplifting experience. Um, and I'm so, so grateful we got that final glimpse of it um, with the sun shining on it and it all gone pink. And then after that, we had, I can't tell you how many more photos. We were, they were so many people coming for our photos and at one point I think we had probably 20 people around us and us in the middle so I think you can safely say I'm going to be adorning the um, mantelpiece of many a home around here which just makes me laugh so funny um, and then we went home uh, back to the hotel home went back to the hotel uh, I had a very quiet evening because there was there was so much to process after that visit it was just incredible and uh got ready for the next day, which started off, obviously was breakfast, and then we began our travels west towards Brantambor. So our first stop was the Artisan Collective, um, but this time it was to see the marble workers, um, who are all apparently direct descendants of the craftsmen that worked on the Taj Mahal. Um, and we were, sh were shown how they shape the stones and cut and decorate the marble before creating absolutely stunning designs with natural gemstones and mother of pearl. And again, the skill of this workmanship is, is just fantastic. And watching the work, essentially it looks like they just use a big nail. And the time and patience it takes, and each of these pieces of work can take, you know, days or weeks to make. And again, it's another craft that's dying out because apparently the young people don't have the attention span and don't want to do something as monotonous as working on the crafts. They want, they want to be involved in something quicker and faster and with technology. And so... We, we asked why they don't teach other people, why there's not apprenticeships, but apparently it has to stay in the families. They would rather the skills died out than people who were not direct descendants were given the skills and the knowledge. So I think that's a little bit sad, really, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. And so then following that, we made our way to the former Mughal home of the emperor, uh, Fatipur Sikri. And this sandstone house has been beautifully preserved and the detail in the brickwork is just incredible. Uh, and at one time the walls were painted using lots of blue paint because indigo was obviously grown all around this area. Uh, but now all that's left are the impressions on the walls and the odd patch of blue paint. Um, but still, it, it's a very, very impressive building and there were so many butterflies and parakeets and dragonflies all around us. It was... It's really quite a magical experience. It's fantastic. From there, we went on to Laxmi Villas, where we had lunch. And this used to be a hunting lodge for the Maharaji. And there's no way that I'm an advocate of hunting in any way, shape or form. But what they've done is they've actually changed his um, hunting lodge into a restaurant and hotel. And uh, because the ground attracts so many birds and so much wildlife, they've opened it up as um, a more of a naturist um, development. And the grounds are gorgeous, but it's the interior that is really special. There's mosaics on the wall and beautiful mirrors and all the windows are decorated. And yeah, it really is very, very stunning. Um, from there, we continued our journey onto Rathambor, <laughs> during which we 
honestly, they say here that cows are like roundabouts of the road. I'm, I mean, I grew up in the country. I've never seen so many cows. Um, they apparently were all on the road because of the recent rains. So the ground is now too wet at the side of the road where they would normally rest. So instead, they're all coming into the, the road because it's warm. And at night time, they're incredibly difficult to see. And they're all herded together. So instead of having an odd cow, all of a sudden you come across 20 or 30, all taking up most of the road. And our guide told us, I don't know how true this is because he has got a wicked sense of humour, but anyway, he told us that the reason that the cows like the road is because the vibration of the traffic keeps the bugs off them and because they have no fear of cars because obviously they're sacred animals here and it's, um, it, it's a horrendous thing to kill a cow here. And so really people would rather um, have an accident or, or well, they'll do anything to avoid hitting a cow. But so naturally, so that what that means is that the cows have never had to be, be scared of being on the road. So generationally, they've not been taught to fear humans or to fear the road, which means obviously that they, they think the road is theirs. And, you know, rightly so. I can't imagine what it would be like on the M25 if a cow escaped. But, but everyone manages here and, you know, it all works out well. Um, and apparently also these cows, um, the fumes from the cars has an effect on their brain chemistry. And so they're stoned. These cows are off their face. Um, and that's why they're all lying down on the road as well. So um, they're having a great time, but because, because it's what gets them stoned, they have to keep coming back for their fix. Um, and so that's why they've become used to spending most of their time near or on the roads. And we only had to travel 240 kilometers, um, but because of the cows, because of, because of the weather that had happened in the past few days, which is incredibly unseasonal, um, our poor driver ended up um, driving us for nearly six hours. We did take breaks, um, but it must have been such a stressful drive for him because he had to go round so many cows and flooded roads and to stop for a Hindu festival parade and then driving in the dark with all these hazards. It, it was just incredible. And never once did he get stressed or fussed about it he just got us all here with his amazing skill and confidence and here we are we've now arrived in Ranthambore and we're ready for the next stage of our adventure I hope you'll join me for that at a later date take care bye hi thanks for joining me so after our six hour drive through floods around cows and in the dark we finally arrived at the Sawai Villas in Ranthambore our rooms were fabulous and we were lucky enough to have an outdoor shower and a balcony. Uh, so once we'd been welcomed and escorted to our rooms, we then went to have dinner to the accompaniment of traditional Indian music and dance, which was fantastic to watch and listen to. Once again, the food was magnificent. So many interesting dishes from salads to dal, tasty vegetable dishes to spicy paneer, most of it gluten free and yeah, absolutely delicious. Uh, after dinner, we wandered around the complex to try and get our bearings whilst trying to avoid the many frogs that sprung out at us. Um, I had asked earlier in the holiday if it was possible to have a yoga master teach me when we had some free time. Um, and I definitely didn't want to leave the home of yoga without experiencing an authentic teaching. So our guide Cam is amazing and he of course knew someone and after tracking down a translator, um, I had my sunrise yoga class with a master called Bandu. Um, and my lesson was then translated by Chandra, who is actually a naturalist by profession, but he was really happy to help out. And it was amazing, it was absolutely fabulous. 
is explanations via Chandra's translate, uh, translations of the asana, the poses, gave me a more in-depth knowledge and his subtle adjustments to my posture made a huge difference. Um, also, he was, he was just so generous with his knowledge. He explained how he views the mind-body connection in yoga, the importance of regular practice every day. And he explained that 12 rounds of the sun asana or sun salutation as we know it should really be performed daily at sunrise for maximum well-being. Um, he then moved on to pranayama, which is breath work, and explained how I could manage my health through the daily practice of a very precise number of repetitions of each breath work. Because I already knew the pranayama, he was able to, uh, again, tweak my practice and give me more explanation as to how uh, taking my breath differently or adjusting my posture while I did the pranayama uh, would would help that. And also how important the, the numbers that he were giving me for repetition were to change the way that the pranayama works so again incredible knowledge that i didn't have before and he was saying that really for the way that i live to do these exercises every day this pranayama exercises every day between 4 30 and 5 would give me the optimum benefit um, also for those of you that know me will know that I, at the moment i have a frozen shoulder and he was so kind and generous with his knowledge and so he gave me some movements to add to my practice to improve the mobility of the joint and reduce the pain. And even after just the one session that we had together, it already feels freer. So just amazing. Um, it did make me smile though, that even through this mindful and absorbing session, he was asking Chandra to take uh, pictures so that he could show others how he had taught a European woman yoga. Uh, it was an experience that I will never forget and I am so, so very grateful for. Uh, we then had some free time to relax and after a wander of the grounds um, admiring the lush green plants towering plant palms and beautiful flowers we settled ourselves on the terrace and people watched for a while i love doing that i find it so fascinating to watch how people move and interact with each other so i had a lovely time um, before lunch we had to talk about the tigers from a respected expert who it turned out was the lovely chandra who had translated my yoga lesson earlier and he was talking about the near extinction of the tigers and how Project Tiger was sanctioned by Indira Gandhi in 1973. And now numbers are rising due to their protected status and how large areas of land have been declared na uh, nature reserves so that the tigers could uh, be safe, essentially. And there's a huge, huge emphasis on keeping them safe and well protected. At one point, they did uh, microchip them all, but then people had worked out how to hack the microchips so they knew exactly where to find the tigers, and obviously then poaching became an issue. They've changed that now, and so they're, they're pleased to say that actually um, the numbers are increasing and they're being able to, um, once uh, tigers are having their cubs uh, and they're growing to an age, they're then able to repopulate other areas and other parks. Um, so yeah, just, just brilliant. So after a, a light lunch, because we were told it was quite a bouncy journey, we climbed onto these canters, which are essentially large open top vehicles, with bars along the side, uh, seat belts that don't work, so don't even bother, uh, and transported to Rathambore National Park for the first of our game drives. Uh, that in itself was a, um, an adrenaline uh, experience because we're in these massive Jeeps with not an awful lot of suspension, driving over these roads, in and out of tuk-tuks. Uh, we passed camels, um, wild boar on the road, as well as the expected dogs and cows. Uh, but the sun was out and the temperature was a really lovely, comfortable 31 degrees. And uh, yeah, I have to say, this is probably the bumpiest, most bone-shaking journey that I've ever experienced. 
because once again the unseasonal rains that we'd experienced earlier in the week were still causing problems as some of the roads in the nature reserve had been washed away and some of the I use the term lightly bridge but some of the bridges that we were going over um, had big holes in them and uh, oh we just we got bounced from pillar to post but it was it was really good fun, really interesting. Uh, we saw spotted fawn antelopes, monkeys, a sloth bear, an assortment of various birds, but the tiger remained elusive. So we had our fingers crossed for our early morning drive the next day. And for that, we were up at 5.15 so that we could be away and by the park, at the park by sunrise to catch some of the wildlife as it woke up. And we saw similar animals and birds as the previous afternoon, but still no sight of the tigers. Um, but our guides had heard an alarm call, an animal alarm call, and so they took us down this track because they were hoping that this was a precursor to a sighting, um, and that's how it can often wait, uh, work. So we sat and waited, but to no avail. Uh, but what had actually happened while we were waiting for the tiger was that our canter with uh, 12 people on it had slowly sunk into the mud, um, and we hadn't noticed because we'd been preoccupied trying to find a tiger. So half an hour of the men on the canter helping the driver and the guide move branches and stones to try and give the vehicle some traction uh, made absolutely no difference. Um, and we were still stuck uh, in the mud. We were really firmly entrenched. We were about 18 inches sunk into the mud. Um, so luckily, another jeep with another, <laughs> another group arrived. Uh, rope was secured and we were finally towed out of the mud, only to find ourselves stuck again as the driver tried to turn us around. Uh, another tow ensued and we were finally on our way after much cheering. Sadly though, it was now time to return to the hotel and no tigers had been seen. Um, but it was it was a great experience. Firstly, I think that was my first time through the jungle. Secondly, you know, it was great to see all these beautiful animals in their natural environment and how they coexist together. So apparently the monkeys and the deer work really well together. The monkeys shake the leaves for the deer. And also because the monkeys are up high, they warn the deer when the tiger is around. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely fantastic experience, bone shaking though it may have been, and a little bit disappointing because we didn't see a tiger. But maybe we'll see one another day when we come back. Um, but yeah, great day. So after lunch, we got back on the coach and we set off for the pink city of Jaipur and our adventure continues. I hope you'll join me. Hi. So uh, we arrived in Jaipur after five hours on the road um, and although it's a long time sitting it's still really interesting to see how the country changes as you drive through it but we no sooner checked into the very lovely ITC uh, Rajputana hotel um, when we were headed out again to take part in an arty fire festival at the Birla temple. Now this temple was built in the 1980s in exactly the same marble as the Taj Mahal and has the most beautiful stained glass windows all around it. I love stained glass, I love working with glass and so this for me was a little bit of an added joy. Um, and we were told that the tower of the temple is meant to represent a pregnant woman um, and but a pregnant woman sitting and the shrine sits beneath her um, in the main building because it's all about how women breathe life into into everything um, and the Birla family also used to own the house where Gandhi spent his last days um, which was later gifted to the state for use as the Museum of Gandhi that we saw when we were in Delhi so it's kind of weird how we've come full circle really about um, you know kind of starting and finishing our journey with the Birla family 
the festival consists of purification of fire which is done by holding your hands over a series of small flames and then you wipe your hands over your face and body you know it's kind of symbolically cleansing yourself and then you walk around the shrine saying prayers and when you've done as many rounds as you feel you need to you then leave the temple passing the priest who hands you sweets and um, if you have everything that you need in life you keep your hands closed and you don't take the sweets if you would like more of what you have in life then you open your hands and he will put these sweets in there and these sweets then just to signify either that you know you want more abundance in your life or that you want you so that your life will be, always be sweet um, we then return to our hotel for a lovely dinner and the food in Jaipur seems to be so much spicier than the other areas we've been to and absolutely no fish. Uh, the food is almost all vegetarian but very, very delicious. Um, and Jaipur is called the Pink City um, and it's called that because when Prince Charles came to visit in the 19th century, the then Maharaja wanted the city to be spectacular for his royal guest and he wanted a show off. So he ordered all the buildings in the city to be painted pink and they achieved this colour by crushing bricks up with water. And still to this day, the buildings are being painted pink. In fact, as we were driving through, we could we could see a new building being painted with this brick mixture. And it is very pretty, but I imagine it's quite time consuming. So um, that was the evening. That was our first evening in Jaipur. And then on the next day, we were out early to see old Jaipur. And we started at the Janta Mantra Observatory. And the observatory is a collection of 19 astronomical instruments which apparently are in the Guinness Book of Records because um, they have the largest sundial in the world, which is accurate to two seconds. And it's world renowned as a centre of knowledge for both astronomy and astrology. And apparently the world clocks take their information from, from this observatory. Um, but there are two days when the sun doesn't shine on the dial, which are the two equinoxes in March and September. But what is absolutely incredible to conceive is that they had the knowledge to understand firstly what they needed to know and secondly how to get instruments to give them that information uh, way back in 1734 when it was completed and these these sundials and these different bits of equipment that can that tell you all kinds of stuff are huge absolutely huge it is a feat of engineering it's amazing um, from there we went to visit the city palace, which was moved to its current location in 1727 apparently. And it's world famous for having the two heaviest water vessels made from silver coins. And the Maharaja had these made because he wanted water from the Ganges, which obviously is holy to them, transported to his home for luck and health. And um, if, if they're going to transport water from the Ganges, which is a very long way away, then he wanted a lot of it. And so he had these two beautiful beautiful urns made um <clears throat> quite like one for my garden but they were under lock and key and in a big glass box so not much chance of that but absolutely beautiful and uh also in his um home he has the most breathtaking receiving room and this is where he would have held court years ago and the splendor and the luxury is just breathtaking it's there are handcrafted silver chairs and beautiful mirrors and gorgeous chandeliers, you know, thick, beautiful rugs, amazing wall paintings. It's just stunningly gorgeous. Um, and no photography in there is allowed anywhere within that area of the palace. 
which I actually think is a fabulous thing because it forces you to be present and enjoy and absorb the beauty so that you can remember it and you're experiencing it as you're there rather than trying to look for the greatest picture you can get to show someone else when you get back home. So I thought it was a really interesting way of just making us mindful of the environment that we're in. Um, from there, and it was a jam-packed day, from there we went to the gem area where they cut and polish the majority of the world's precious and semi-precious stones. And so, you know, we're talking marble and jade and we're talking beautiful jewellery and uh, big carvings that you would see adorning temples and things. Um, and they also, I mean, the gem stuff kind of left me cold a little bit. I'm not a big one on sparkly stones. Oh, but they have some amazing silver jewellery. I do love a bit of big, bold silver jewellery. So I, I may have happened to have acquired another silver bangle when it was there. But, you know, it was a gift from my husband and it would have been rude to say no. Um, so, yeah, loving my new bangle. Um, from there we visited another artisan collective where we watched block printing being done by hand. Again, incredibly skilled work, which is mainly done in the villages and is dying out because the younger generations don't have the time and the patience or even want to do the work. So I don't know how I feel about this, really. I don't know whether I feel sad that these skills are dying out or whether we just have to accept that it's had its time and things have to move on. Um, so, yeah, I have mixed emotions about that. Um, from there we went to the bazaar, which is just crazy. It's loud and crowded and colourful. Everybody wants you to go in their shop or their stall to the point where they will stand in front of you blocking the way or follow you pushing their goods in, their fa in your face. And that can get a little bit overwhelming at times. But <clears throat> we managed, we survived. I only bought a couple of um, bits of clothing. Uh, I bought some kurta, which are like tunic tops for myself. And they were lovely. And then we returned to the old city for a wander around the shops and the side street stalls. And Jaipur is all made on a grid system. And so everything is very neat and uh, regularly spaced out. And one street is for one kind of um, commerce and one street is for something else. And so once you know where you're going, it's very easy to find what you want. Um, I found a little street artist and had a menhir done on my hand, which is a beautiful henna work. And I'm very, very pleased with that. Uh, the photo can be found on my social media, so please have a look if you fancy it. And then after a masala chai in a very modern coffee shop, we watched the sunset and then we headed back to the hotel in a tuk-tuk um, because it was the best way to take in the beauty of Jaipur all lit up at night. And apart from being bone-shaking, it was absolutely beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Um, our last morning in Jaipur took us to the Palace of the Winds, which used to be the city palace before it moved. Um, but now, now that that's moved into the city centre, only the facade remains and it is, uh, it is amazing to look at. And this facade is where the, where the Queen and, her con and the consorts would have been able to view the goings on of the palace life. But they would have been safely out of sight from staff and visitors. And this facade that you see is pretty much synonymous with Jaipur. Jaipur. It's the picture that you see um, whenever Jaipur is mentioned. So I was really chuffed to have seen that. From there we went on to the Amber Fort, which is another stunningly impressively building on the outskirts of Jaipur. Um, and one building would have housed the soldiers close to the long city wall, which stretches on for miles and miles. And the other building would have been the palace for the king and his family. And the beautiful mosaics that are made make the visit worthwhile in itself. 
but then there are some amazing views of the gardens and landscape all around and especially if you go right up to the turreted domes at the top of the palace you can see for miles you can see pretty much over the city and it is it is pretty special and then we were back on the coach heading towards delhi to catch our flight home and uh, i'm not really ready to leave i've absolutely loved being in india and it has just been absolutely amazing there is always something to see and the landscape here in the north is lush and green and beautiful and yeah i've just absolutely loved being here and some of the things that I've come to understand during my visit um, is are that although there is great financial poverty in India, those living without much cash, I don't. It, from what we've been told, I mean, obviously we've only spoken to a few people, but it seems that they feel that they that money is not what it's all about. It's about the family and the community and their behaviour and the way that they think and the way that they act in life and that that they are rich if they have those things and that actually there are if they have that they're richer than those that have that have money and don't have that so i think it's a really interesting way of looking at life um and yeah they talk about uh how it's the people who have money and forget to be grateful or forget to enjoy what they have in their life that are actually the poor people so i think you know that's pretty much mindfulness wrapped up there i think um, I've learned that people don't really rush in India. <laughs> uh, we were told that that's where they believe in reincarnation. If they don't get it done in this life, they can always do it in the next. Um, and I've yet to see someone looking stressed here. Um, but it, do it does make me laugh. It is quite, the way that things have been described to us is quite fatalistic. Although they believe in karma, it's very much uh, kind of my God will take care of me. So what, as long as I do something with an open heart, I'm going to be okay, which I don't know. I have a little bit of an issue trying to square that away with some of the things because I always think that you, obviously karma is really important because with every action there is a reaction, but I also think you have to take responsibility for for what you're doing. That It's not about being fatalistic, it is about continuing to live your best life and and having a little bit more control over that. So again, mixed feelings, I don't really know that I can comment on that because I don't probably really know enough about how it actually applies out here um it seems to me that the the rules only apply here if they suit you or you can't bribe your way out of them or there's a policeman stood next to you uh tipping is expected almost everywhere uh they take seriously the idea that they're responsible for their personal well-being and will perform yoga regularly or consult a guru yogi or god for advice and guidance and that their religion is the guiding path that they live their life by. And finally, I know that I absolutely love India and can't wait to come back and explore more of this vibrant, spiritual and absolutely beautiful country and its people. So I want to thank you for sharing our Indian adventure with us. And I hope you'll join us on our next adventure next time. Take care. Bye.